I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good Wednesday evening, everyone. And we are getting set for a Thursday night football. The Los Angeles Rams enter the fourth quarter of their season they got four games to go. The Patriots, the Jets, the Seahawks, and then the rematch with Arizona in Week 17. We bring in DeMarco Farr. It's kind of exciting to think that they're closing in on not just a playoff berth, but that there's a chance they can go to Seattle with a chance to win that game and clinch the NFC West for the third time in four years. Well, I, I'm still shocked there's a month left in the season that we've gone this far and consider what we've been through. But, yeah, I think the Rams – They've been through a lot. Maybe they're, they're hitting their stride. Maybe they found their the right opponent in the, the Arizona Cardinals to get them right, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, look, you went out, you control your own destiny, and who knows what happens once you get to the postseason. Let's hope what we saw in Arizona is something we're going to see tomorrow night versus the Patriots. We're going to get to a lot in this edition of Rams All Access. We'll hear from Brandon Staley. We'll hear from Sean McVay as he matches wits with Bill Belichick again in what many are considering a Super Bowl 53 rematch. But before we go in that direction, DeMarco, how about some high-level thoughts from that eighth win in Arizona as McVay's dominant news? Well, I, I think, uh, JB, I think I might be over Todd Gurley for the first time in, uh, I guess, 2020 since he's been gone. Everything that everybody has done, Malcolm Brown's had success, Daryl Henderson has success, Cam, New or Cam Akers has had success. I'm always thinking, wow, what would Todd have done with that carry? What would Todd have done with that screen? Uh, but watching Cam Akers kind of take over the role as the lead back and watching that offensive line absolutely do work against that Cardinals defense and then Cam Akers get north and south and carry people into the end zone, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of over it. I, I think maybe the Rams have found their lead back in Cam Akers or at least the guy that could start the game, pace the game, and help Jared Goff off, uh, help Jared Goff uh, with play-action passing. So, yeah, I thought he was tremendous. I thought the O-line was great. I thought the defense was absolutely spectacular. Uh, at times, I felt bad for Kyler Murray, and I hate feeling that way about the opponent. Hmm. But at times, there was nothing they could do to move the football against that defense. It was outstanding. I agree with a lot of what you just said. Let's circle back to Cam Akers for just a moment because I'm in agreement with you that I think the, the running back by committee is becoming a thing of the past. I think Akers, the rookie, the top pick in this draft class, is taking over, if not a lead role, at least like a 1A, 1B type situation with Daryl Henderson, with Malcolm Brown now filling specific needs and opportunities depending on the situations that present themselves. I agree. Look, uh, Cam Akers, I think, is turning into the guy. But Malcolm Brown, to me, is still that dude. He is still the veteran in the room. He's the veteran on the team. He's the leader. But I think the young backs, Daryl Henderson, uh, I think coming in and being kind of the, the, the change of pace back to Cam Akers, who is really, really good at setting up defenders and setting up his blocks and then ex exploding through. I mean, that's veteran stuff. So it seems like the offense, or the running game in particular, has a little more oomph to it with Cam Akers running the football. Now, that's not to say that Daryl Henderson can't do it. You see him. Uh, he gets out in the open field, and he, if he gets behind the defense, you are not going to catch him. He's got some, some jets back there. He's got some juice. But 
Cam Akers just seems like he fits this offense, and Jared Goff can definitely play off a running game. We've seen that. All right, let's go there next. I mean, some might have expected after that three turnover performance by Jared and four turnover loss by the Rams as a team against San Francisco that maybe they go to the desert and play it conservative, that they lean on their running game, uh, that they let their defense do the heavy lifting against Kyler Murray and company. Not at all. You know, they slung it all around that yard. 47 pass attempts, mostly at or near the line of scrimmage. A lot of short passes, completions, dinks and dunks, if you will, with yards after catch. But that was one of Jared Goff's better performances of the season. And I also thought he played, he operated within the game plan and made a few key throws beyond it, not necessarily off schedule, but beyond his first read that were critical to the Rams collecting that eighth win. You know, I, I felt the same way. There was a time when I think he hit Robert Woods in the flat where that might have been the, the, the fourth receiver in that route combination. And he went from right to left and found the open guy and then, you know, threw a strike to him. But, I mean, that's only because you have the time. So I think the Cardinals brought everything they could. And I would love, JB, I would love to see how those Cardinal de- de- defenders graded out because I I didn't see too many physical breakdowns. I didn't see too many guys get burned or a bunch of blown coverages. It just seemed like Sean McVay and Jared Goff, Jared Goff beat the call every single time. And when they did bring pressure, I, I thought that Jared Goff had enough time to survey it, see where it was coming from, step to the dead spot, or let his guys pick it up and then get the ball out. He seemed to be more confident versus Arizona than he was versus San Francisco. I want to pick up on that because we all miss the vertical element to this passing attack, right? We, we want the chunk plays. We want them to stretch defenses down the field. But I, I think the context of that win is that McVay and Goff were answering the questions that the, the Cardinals defense presented accurately. And, and look, Agreed. opposing defenses are very specifically trying to limit the options available to Goff and McVay, right? It's what every defense, including the Rams, tries to do their, their opponent. Um, but I, I think teams are trying to, A, keep Jared in the pocket, B, take away the deep shots that McVay wants to um, capitalize on. And what I saw in week 13 specifically is we can play within these confines, just like they did at Tampa Bay, and still get big plays, still get chunks, even if the air yards, which I think Jared averaged a career low 3.3 um, in that regard, aren't necessarily there. One, it takes stress off our offensive line. Two, if they're blitzing, if they're sending extras, what's the point in, in hanging on to it for longer plays to develop downfield? No no doubt. Get the ball out quick. Um, what I did see was, like you said, a lot of short passes that resulted in uh, shorter third downs or first down plays. I mean, you just keep picking up first downs and you move the football down the field meticulously. So, I mean, either way, if you want to flip field position, if you've got that sort of player, if you've got that ace receiver, that Randy Moss type, and you want to just launch it down the field a few times, more power to you. But uh, I think in offense, as long as you're throwing it to the right guy, as long as you're beating the defense to the spot, and you have guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup that are great after the catch, some of those short passes turn into long passes or any intermediate passes. And then you're running the football in a, uh, effectively in between that it may not be a big play offense, but it stays on the field a long time. Uh, if you go back and look at that first half versus Arizona, I think Sean McVay and the offense, they had the ball, what, 23 minutes of the first half? That's just as good as any big play offense when you're scoring points at will, but you're giving the other side a chance to also drive your defense into oblivion. So 
staying on the field, wearing them out, wearing that defense out, giving your defense a chance to rest. I think that's a smart way to approach this football team for Sean McVay. With DeMarco Farham, J.B. Long, this is week 14 of Rams All Access. We're going to preview the matchup with the Patriots upcoming. We'll hear from Sean McVay and Brandon Staley, plus four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. But to the point you make about time of possession, there was one other major takeaway that I had from that win over Arizona that I mentioned on air on Sunday when we were calling the game, and I want to repeat it here to see what your updated thought is. My two favorite moments, arguably, of that game were fourth down failures. And, and yes, I would prefer that the Rams would have converted fourth down and six in the opening quarter, and I would prefer that they would have cashed in on the goal line uh, when they got stuffed on, on fourth and goal. But what I, what I saw in those decisions from McVay was one, uh, an aggressive disposition, which I thought was the perfect answer to the San Francisco loss. Two, it was, I think, a, a paradigm shift in terms of, instead of just asking our defense to do all the hard work, why not trust them to take more chances to go for fourth downs? Because what we know McVay loves more than anything is opportunity, is play count, is ball possession. Um, and, and the easiest way to get more of that is to move the chains, even if it requires fourth down. So I wonder if there was just a philosophical change, just something clicked into place where, hey, instead of playing on our heels, and I'm not on our heels is the wrong expression, but instead of punting and, and trusting our defense how about going for it and trusting our defense which they did by the way getting a three and out after both of those fourth down failures you know as long as you're not silly with it like you're trying to go for it in your own end you know what i mean that's that's crazy but yeah when you decide to punt on fourth and short what do you mean go for it man if you don't get it we'll get it back for you uh just trust us we'll trust you so yeah i like those calls too uh, that fourth and goal play, you've got to give Patrick Peterson uh, some credit. He made a hell of a play on Cam Akers to get him on the ground. I mean, he really did. Uh, if that play was just a little bit – if he, if Cam Akers would have spun back or just made a little bit better of a play, a little bit more of a cut, he might have scored there. But that was a hell of a play by Cam Akers. I agree with you, man. You have opportunities to score, even if it's off fourth down or you need to be aggressive to pick up this first down to keep the drive alive. Look, even if you don't make it, as a defender going on the field, I will go out and defend uh, to the ground a, a coach like that. When you're trying to be aggressive, you're trying to win games, and you're trying to be smart about it as well. Absolutely. So we have been trying to figure out, is this a defensive-led football team? I think that might be your answer. Is that where you're getting at? Because I agree with you if that's it. Yeah, but I think redefining what it means to be defensive-led is my point. Like, if they're the better unit or the best unit of the three you have to offer, so be it. But you can leverage them to your advantage offensively by when you find yourself in third and six, expecting to treat that as two plays to get those six yards. Because oh, you're, no doubt. you're willing to take more chances on fourth down. And by the way, the math supported, they're not really chances. Like, the statistical, the odds, the, the metrics, the analytics say those were both the correct decisions. You know, I, and something you said during the broadcast that I'll bring to air uh, when he got stopped, when Cam Akers got stopped on that fourth and goal, you said, okay, if not a touchdown, get a safety. And right. I, I was right there with you. Absolutely. And I, and right, yeah. defense, you could. Yeah. I had that memory of Aaron Donald going back to Pittsburgh and getting one uh, on that primetime game against the, the Steelers last year. Uh, but coming yes, up sir. on Rams All Access, it, it's time to turn our attention to the New England Patriots who have scratched their way back to 500. They, too, are believing there's a path to the postseason for them. 
despite a, a rocky start to the post-Tom Brady era with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. We'll get into that. We'll get into the plan for tackling, containing Cam Newton, who's essentially become a, a downhill running back playing quarterback at this stage of his career. That's next on Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, they do a great job mixing up a variety of looks. Um, you know, that's always been a staple. Um, they've got different personnel groupings they can activate. So it's dependent upon the, the situation. But, you know, we got to be ready to handle a variety of looks, a, a lot of different uh, people that they can activate. But um, they do a great job of molding and adjusting their identity week in and week out. And, and that's something that we need to be ready for. Rams head coach Sean McVay previewing week 14 against Bill Belichick and this New England defense. Of course, many have cast it as a Super Bowl 53 rematch. And, and why not? DeMarco, I, I want to get your feeling on that before we go much further. Is there a get-back opportunity for McVay and Goff and the Rams? Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know what Sean McVay loves when he talks to his team after a win. He always brings up the Ric Flair deal, right? He gives you a woo. Well, uh, mm -hmm. the other catchphrase Ric Flair made famous was to be the man, you got to beat the man. And that's mm. been true since the dawn of time. So Sean McVay, I'm sure, has designs on being one of the greatest coaches in football, in professional football. And the only way to get there is you got to go through Belichick. And that's just any coach. So you, you matched wits with him in the Super Bowl. He beat you. Uh, it, it's, it's taken you this long to get him back on the field. It's not a championship environment, but it might as well be. So. Yeah, I mean, you've got to go through Belichick. You've got to solve that puzzle if you want to call yourself a great coach and a great player. I mean, even in a vacuum, McVeigh versus Belichick would be worth the price of admission if admission were allowed. And in some ways, they are playing in a vacuum Thursday night at SoFi Stadium, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I, I think to see them match wits regardless of the Super Bowl would be phenomenal. The context there and having only scored three points and having missed that shot, I think, only enriches this opportunity, even though, you know, a win on Thursday night would not come with a Lombardi trophy, of course. Um, but be before we go much further on that point, DeMarco, I just want to quickly, like, rattle off some of the Rams and Patriots who were there that night in Atlanta who are not either with their teams anymore or going to dress this time around. And we already know, like, Brady and Gronk saw them in Tampa Bay. Of course, on the Rams side, Gurley, Brandon Cooks, even Andrew Whitworth, um, you know, perhaps most importantly for this conversation about matching up with their defense, you know, Kyle Van Noy, Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower all come to mind, Danny Shelton. Like, these are two massively different rosters at this point in time, less than two years removed from that Super Bowl. Wow. The last guy you mentioned from the Patriots, I am so glad he's not here, Danny Shelton, because <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> ruined that offensive line uh, in that Super Bowl game. But yeah, I mean, look, as you go along in the National Football League, especially for Belichick, those rosters are going to change. Your teams are going to change, but the results will stay the same. I mean, he's going to prepare his team better than most, and he's going to beat most of these coaches in the National Football League. So Sean McVay, the same thing. If Belichick stays around another five, six years, uh, in five or six years, this roster for the Rams is going to be completely different. But the head coaches will be the same. So 
Can you find a way to get more points than Belichick on game day when it matters most? We're going to find out. Uh, we're going to find out on game day this time with Cam Newton at quarterback. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure Sean McVay wants to beat him. I'm sure he wants to get some level of get back. I was reading through the Patriot media guide, and this is how I know this stuff means a lot, even though they don't say it. You know, they have J.J. Watt listed in their media guide for not having a sack against the Patriots. Why would you put that in there? Because it's significant. <laughs> he's one of the best players in, in, in the game. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's never had a sack versus the Patriots. So all that stuff matters. Getting the W versus Bill Belichick and the Patriots matters to uh, Sean McVay and his coaching future. It's going to matter this year. If you wind up beating the Patriots and you get Sean McVay over that Belichick hump, now you said it's not going to matter. It's not going to count for a Lombardi trophy in this game, but it could matter for this season. It could matter for this year if you get him over the hump. No, that's a great point. I mean, it certainly increases their chances, their path to you know, getting back to the Super Bowl and having a chance to win one this year. Um, I, I want to go back in time a little bit. The last game before the bye, I felt, many felt, was a bit of a proxy for what was coming down the pike in terms of facing Brian Flores, who coordinated the defense on that fateful night in Atlanta, and the Miami Dolphins, who presented, obviously, these, these zero-pressure looks, that uh, zero-blitz looks and, and the coverage behind it that um, – were reminiscent, I think, to some of us of what happened mm-hmm. in, in Super Bowl 53, although Sean McVay denied that there were, that there were similarities between them. You, you can tease that out for us. But where I want to get to eventually is, is the genius of Belichick and his ability to reinvent himself and his defense week after week and year after year. Because, you know, who else saw that Brian Flores' defense was Justin Herbert? And there was a great Pro Football Focus article this week about how you know, what Flores did to the, the Chargers basically made Herbert and company prepare for that all over again as they awaited Belichick and the Patriots. And then what Belichick do, he ran in completely different directions. He only played one snap of cover zero and only blitzed five times on 56 dropbacks. So there's that, there's that kind of zigging when, when you expect them to zag that I think once again will have the Rams on their toes Thursday night. Well, this is funny, a short week, and, you know, we, we both do a lot of studying of video, and I'm sitting here, and I'm spending hours trying to figure out what the Patriots are doing, and then I stop myself and say, man, it's not about them, it's about what the Rams do, and I think that's what Sean McVay was talking about versus Miami. Uh, it, it, look, it's, it's, it wasn't rocket science what Flores and, and the Dolphins were doing. I mean, zero blitz has been around forever, but it looked like the Rams had never seen it before, so... I don't think that was more of what Miami was doing. It was, it's what the Rams and the offense weren't doing against it. I think that's what made Sean McVay so mad about it. It's like, hey, guys, we, we've gone through this. You're making it seem like we've never discussed this, and we have. We know every option and every angle and every audible away from the zero blitz. Why aren't we getting to it? Well, that's just what game day is about. So uh, you can't really try to figure out or try to put any rhyme or reason to what Belichick does. Really, you, you can't game plan this guy. He is ungame planable. So what you have to do is just rely on your stuff. And if you see something different, something exotic, know what you're checking to, have everybody on the same page, and then try to get through it the best you can. But the last thing you want to do is try to prepare for what you think Bill Belichick is going to do because it's going to be a curveball on game day. It seems like what you're saying is, is be more nimble, if not more prepared. And in some ways, I almost think the short week is a blessing in disguise in that regard, right? Like McVay had two weeks to tie himself up in knots and, and prepare for every eventuality before that Super Bowl. 
Um, and, and maybe there's an element of try easier this week, right? It seems like is what you're kind of driving at. Like rather than try and predict the future, be ready in the present to, to have the answers that you know are in your repertoire. I agree. You ever walk through these haunted house, these, these elaborate haunted house deals? You ever Absolutely been to one of these where they, where they take I, over? Oh, they, I avoid them like ahead. the plague. I, I am not a okay, Halloween well they, person. I don't like scary movies, but go ahead anyway. They take they take these big warehouses and they make them into these, you know, the, these haunted houses. And, you know, the first five minutes you're jumping out of your skin, but then you kind of know what to expect and you're calm. By the end of it, you're ready to go home and have a burger. So it's the same thing with, you know, with, with the Patriots. If you, you're going to be scared going in, you're going to see something you haven't seen and he's going to judge your reaction. So if you don't react well to what he's throwing at you, then it's going to keep coming. But if you react well to it, he's going to have to go back and do something else. You can actually make Bill Belichick scramble, but the last thing you want to do is really over-prepare and try to figure out what he's going to do. Just play your game and see what happens. What about in terms of, like, the the context uh, that this game, the shape that this game might take? Like, the Super Bowl was low-scoring. Would it surprise you if this – Thursday night football affair is low scoring or do you feel like um, this could get into the twenties, if not the thirties in terms of the style? Uh, without takeaways or turnovers or pick sixes, I think this is going to be low scoring. Like uh, I think the winner of this game will be mid twenties because of the huh. offense, because of both offenses. I mean, Cam Newton in that offense, it's, it's old school army type ball. If you get behind them, you'll never get the ball back. And they've, if you thought, if Samson Abelcom thought chasing Kyler Murray was something like you, you have it, you have that quarterback on a dead run and you can't even touch him. Well, this will be different. You don't have to look to find Cam Newton. He's bigger than you and he's going <laughs> to look you up and try to run you over. But same sort of skill, the quarterback will keep the ball, carry it, and he may be the leading rusher. So if, if you keep giving them the ball back, if the Patriots defense is having success or if they have a couple of takeaways and you put Cam Newton on the field, He'll drive the ball for minutes, and it'll be ugly. It'll be boring for those watching, but it'll be great for them because they'll be winning. So, yeah, this, I think, has a chance to be low scoring. Um, I think that's smart to do because if Jared Goff and the offense stays on the field like they did against Arizona, you keep Cam Newton off it. But it's going to be a similar game plan for both. Uh, both offenses will try to wear out the defense and win this thing in the fourth quarter. Uh, you're reminding me of what Aaron Donald said at the podium in Glendale, talking about turning the page from Kyler to Cam Newton, who's obviously a force of nature in a much different way. And he summarized by saying, you got to bring your big boy pants as if, you know, Aaron Donald has any other kind. Um, I got, I got to chuckle about that, but uh, let's let Mike Pearson, our great producer, uh, queue up Brandon Staley Rams defensive coordinator um, to get his take on what it's going to be like trying to tackle Newton for four quarters at SoFi stadium. In the NFL, uh, Steve, a lot of it's math, you know, defensively. Uh, when the quarterback is not a runner, um, you can play, you know, 11 on 10, you know, and, and you have a numbers advantage just, you know, by that guy not being able to, you know, effectively run the football. But when you have someone like Cam Newton, now it's truly 11 on 11. Now it's more even money. And, you know, the thing that they're doing an effective job of is they're using him as a runner in all situations. And that makes it even more challenging to defend as they do it first, second, third down. They do it in all field zones. And when there is that threat for him to become, you know, as dangerous as a runner as, as we've seen in the NFL, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, the last however many years, you know how many rushing touchdowns this guy has um, and how physical he is, um, you know, you really have to assess the team differently. 
Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley there. And Cam Newton does have 11 rushing touchdowns on the season. In fact, uh, he's got mul- four games with multiple rushing touchdowns this year. So he's making some NFL history. DeMarco, the, the thing that he's not doing is passing. He hasn't reached 100 yards passing in New England's last two games, but they were both wins. Yeah, you know, I look, I, I still think uh, I think Cam Newton has lost something off his arm. I think that's that's obvious to everyone that's watched him play, you know, from Carolina to now. So he's a little bit different throwing the football, but that athleticism is still there. And I think what uh, Brandon Staley just said is exactly right. Of course it is. He's the coordinator. You know, like Kyler Murray, when he does that zone read and he's reading that the end man on the long scrimmage, if that end man gets up the field and just shows color, like shows contain. Kyler Murray will cut back because he's not the biggest guy in the world and he's explosive. He's very twitchy and quick. Cam Newton is an animal. If you, if you don't show enough color, he will kill you. He can run through that. He can stiff arm you. Uh, I remember seeing him absolutely stiff arm a defensive end and pick the guy up off the ground because he's the same size. So think about Obo Ogorongo, who just made it back to the lineup. Think of the size of Cam Newton versus Obo Ogorongo. I think Cam may actually be bigger. So if you don't show enough color, he's going to challenge you around the edge, and he can beat you there. If you show too much color, he can cut it back. He's got the speed. So, And like you said, they do it everywhere. So I, I think that's, that's the, the strength of New England's offense is Cam Newton is in and involved in every single offensive play, which means it's going to be tough. So if you make them go three and out, if you get the ball back, you have done something against that Patriot offense because that is tough to stop a guy like Cam Newton. And they'll do it in different ways, too. I mean, they run with, with Damian Harris. Sometimes they'll direct snap to Harris in the backfield. Um, Jacob Johnson is a fullback that they'll kind of align in a power eye. They got lots of optionality in that running game. What I don't see, DeMarco, is a true vertical threat, a true number one receiver on this roster, although they have had some flashes uh, including last week from someone like Nikhil Harry. Um, but I'm leading to this is a different matchup than many of the ones we've seen for Jalen Ramsey in recent weeks where there is no DK Metcalf, there is no Mike Evans, there is no DeAndre Hopkins. So how will they deploy someone who's having an all-pro season in their secondary? Turn them loose. Uh, I would turn them loose. Um, if there's no guy to shut down, then – Let's use his other ability. Let's bring him off the edge like you brought Troy Hill a few times. Let's bring him in there and see if we can make something happen. Uh, you better get out of Newton before he gets going anyway. Because like you said, if he gets started and gets into the open field, you've got problems. I don't care who you are. Uh, but the, the one thing that does jump out with the – they don't have a lack – they don't have a deep threat like you said, but their offensive line and the way they do, they do things. Shaq Mason is a guy that you can't take your eyes off of at guard. Now, I know that's funny in the National Football League when we're looking for skill position guys that jump off the page. This guy is an absolute eraser. He's like Zach Martin in Dallas. He's that dominant. So when you talk about the running game and Cam Newton having success and uh, the, the Patriots rushing for X amount of yards, when you break it all the way down, it's these guys, Shaq Mason in particular, uh, Tooney on the left side, just creating holes and caverns up front. So sometimes in the National Football League, you don't need a guy that takes the top off the defense as long as you can move the football and move people for 10 yards a pop. So it's going to be tough. So if you don't have the cover, I would say let's unleash Jalen Ramsey as a quasi-hill that start position where we saw him earlier in the year. Turn him loose and let's use all of his football ability. 
All right, coming up on Rams All Access, we'll have four down territory next. Mike Reese joins us with the latest on the Patriots, including some thoughts on their injury report and how that could impact this Thursday night football affair at SoFi Stadium. Glad you're with us for Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access, everyone, previewing Thursday night football at SoFi Stadium against the New England Patriots. Time for Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Great to have Mike Reese back on the program, ESPN's NFL Nation reporter covering the New England Patriots. And Mike, look, this is uh, uncharted territory in many ways in terms of the, the Patriots' long shots to continue their stretch of division dominance. But I wonder, in terms of their motivation for Thursday night football and trying to collect two wins on this trip to Los Angeles. Do they still believe there's a path to the postseason for this group? JB, they absolutely believe there's a path. They feel like they're playing their best football of the season, and over the last couple weeks, there's been a common theme that we've heard from the players, that they found their identity, the ways they need to play to win games. That's physical, running the football, it's dominating special teams units that impose their will on the opposition, and it's a matchup defense that is led by the reigning defensive player of the year, Stefan Gilmore. Well, tell me about that matchup defense, how it might differ from two years ago on that fateful night in Atlanta. Obviously, Brian Flores is with the Dolphins. I was very intrigued by the way that Belichick went a different direction against Justin Herbert and the Chargers than uh, his disciple down with the Dolphins did. What makes it unique? What makes it different from the last time the Rams and the Patriots clashed? The biggest difference is right up in the front seven. A lot of the key players that played in the Super Bowl are no longer here, led by Dante Hightower, the linebacker who was one of an NFL-high eight players to opt out before the season. Bill Belichick refers to Dante Hightower as Mr. February because of his knack for coming up Hmm. with game-changing plays in the Super Bowl. So that's someone the Rams will be happy not to see on Thursday. Mike Reese is ESPN's NFL Nation reporter covering the Patriots. We are privileged to have some of his time on four down territory. Can Cam Newton beat a defense like the Rams with his arm and from the pocket if forced to? I would say the answer trends toward no. The question to me is, will he have to? because the Patriots have been so good on the ground that they haven't had to rely on Cam's arm. Now, they might point out that he threw for 350 yards in a game against the Houston Texans just a few weeks ago as an example of, hey, when we had to throw it, we moved the ball. They also didn't win that game. So I would say (laughs) that question still sort of lingers over the Patriots. If someone shuts down the run game, and they have to throw it, can they do it and win the game? I would say it trends toward no at this juncture. Final question, Mike. I have to have a sight on the Patriots injury report, even on a full week, but especially show so on this short week for Thursday night football. Can you give us a sense of whose absence would be the most concerning from the New England injury report if that individual was unable to contribute on Thursday night football? I would say focus in on cornerback J.C. Jackson. Team high, seven interceptions, which, which puts him among the NFL leaders. And he has been starting opposite Stephon Gilmore the last couple weeks. And so you put those two solid cover corners out there, and those are tough matchups. 
for opposing offenses. Jackson, you know, was playing through a hip injury Sunday against the Chargers and then injured his knee late in that game and did not finish. He's been limited in the sort of projected practice injury reports this week, and he'd be the first player I'd be watching for. Mike, thanks as always for the insight. Looking forward to hosting you at SoFi Stadium uh, if and when conditions will allow for it. Sorry it wasn't uh, this stretch of five days where the Patriots spent uh, their week in Los Angeles. Would have been a great one, JB, but look forward to it in the future. All right, we bring DeMarco far back in, and we've probably gone too far, DeMarco, without touching on the uh, special team success that the Patriots did have on Sunday at SoFi Stadium. I mean, two defensive touchdowns was a huge contributing factor to their 45-point blowout of the Chargers. Yeah, and that should scare every Rams fan because I, I think the Rams have found their place kicker, but uh, the punt return with, with Simba Webster putting it on the ground, I mean, look, this is getting crunch time in the National Football League. We're in December. This is where your special teams should be rolling. So uh, New England showed you what can happen if – you let that unit get loose. So the Rams have to be letter perfect in their coverage team and in the return game. Look, if there's no return there, then let's fair catch, give it back to the offense, and let's not screw it up there. So, look, uh, special teams has to pick it up a little bit more. We talked about this earlier, JB. I thought you pointed this out uh, very astutely. Uh, the Rams are 8-4 and four, but still haven't played their best game in all three phases. So I think this might be a good opportunity for all three phases to play together to beat the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, and that's a feeling of optimism that I have in terms of the potential to peak at the right time and, and still to maximize the potential that this group has. I mean, look, in some ways, they're fortunate that the four losses have not been a direct result of the kicking game, right, of special teams. Now, special teams hasn't won them any games necessarily either. It hasn't done them any favors. Um, but there have been other culprits, I think, more primary culprits in those four losses. And in that regard, it feels like they've kind of dodged one to this point in December. I agree. Uh, look, I, I, I want to thank the Chargers for not playing well on special teams because it's on video now. So that will get everyone's attention in the room. Hey, look, this is what can happen if we do, don't do X, Y, and Z. And then the fumble by Simba Webster also will make everyone focus a little bit better and practice a little bit harder. Because like you said, that would be a, a, a bad situation and just a tough deal if your offense is clicking, your defense is playing well, and then something happens on special teams that puts the Patriots back in the game and changes everything. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you, you've got to sew it up. But still, New England, is, I think they've won, what, four of the last five? So I think they're starting to come alive and they're starting to play their best football for, for their group for this roster. So let's hope the Rams in all three phases are ready to go on Thursday night so they can win this football game. Can I just ask you a human and football psychology question, though? And that is Shoot. what was yeah. your reaction to seeing that score five days before the Rams play this team? Uh, you know, that's weird. Um, happiness? Because, you know, if the Patriots had lost or struggled, you may overlook them. Or if they came into this game at, what, 5-7 and seven instead of 6-6, six and six, you may overlook them. Uh, I'm glad they had a monster performance. I'm glad they, they shut out the Chargers because you're going to get the Rams' full attention. Now, the downside of it, I like Anthony Lynn. It's going to be hard to come back from getting shut out 45 to nothings, but that's besides the point. But from a Rams perspective, I am glad the Patriots absolutely ate their lunch because it'll get everybody's focus on what it needs to be beating the Patriots. See, and, and as a former 
professional football player, I'm happy to hear you say that because sometimes I just think the amateur perspective is because I feel exactly the same way. Like, good, they got it out of their system. Or if this is a two game trip to L.A., maybe they'll be satisfied with just the one. Now, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think the Patriots feel like they're rolling and feel like a win here would put them back in the playoff picture with with a chance to get to where they want to go. But I completely agree with what you just said, and I'm glad that you validated it in terms of, look, no one's resting on their laurels after a road win over the Cardinals to get to eight and four, at least in the Los Angeles Rams facility. And if they needed any more motivation to kind of get that payback we were talking about from the Super Bowl uh, against these Patriots, look, there's everything they need to see right there on the game film um, from last Sunday. It's also interesting that with four games to go, three of them are at SoFi Stadium. In fact, this two-game stretch upcoming, Patriots-Jets, the only time all year the Rams will play consecutive home games at SoFi. So the task ahead of them, obviously want them to win all four. But it, it is a little bit simpler than that. If they can win any combination of the three so long as they collect a win in Seattle, they're going to be your 2020 NFC West champion. And that's not something that I think many on the – exterior DeMarco saw happening this year. Wow. Well, football's funny, man. Uh, You know, who knew San Francisco would struggle this much? I mean, you know, Seattle uh, having one of the worst defenses ever until, you know, recently they they started to turn it around. Uh, Russell Wilson has now dropped behind, uh, I believe, Allen in the MVP race. So you never know in professional football. That's why we play the games. But yeah, I mean, I think the Rams without certain people, without Todd Gurley, um, I think they were expecting to step back, but here you are with a chance to win the NFC West, the toughest division in football. All you have to do is take care of business. And Sean McVay says this, when you have a chance to control your own destiny, that is what you want in professional football, period, end of story. You don't want to have to rely on anybody else winning or losing down the road. You control your own destiny. You went out, you are champs. It's all in front of you, man. It's easier to coach that way. Trust me. Hmm. All right, looking to break a six-game losing streak against the New England Patriots, including the postseason. Obviously, there have been some really impactful games between uh, these two. Looking forward to seeing the next installment, Thursday Night Football at SoFi Stadium. Final segment of Rams All Access around the corner with a look around the NFC West and the NFC playoff picture. With DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, this is 710 ESPN. All right, looks like the Rams need to win their next two to clinch a playoff spot, although their odds are phenomenal as it stands before they even play Week 14 against the Patriots. And again, three straight wins would claim the division if they can cap it with a Week 16 win at Seattle. That's a long ways off. Let's dig into the rest of this week's schedule um, with some interesting ones. And let's start with those Seahawks. DeMarco, I don't think anyone would have expected them to lose to Colt McCoy and the New York Giants at home last week. Now they have the winless Jets. You know what, uh, New York, we've been saying this all year. That defense is better than you think. And now I'm shocked that Colt McCoy actually beat Russell Wilson, but that defense is legit. So uh, that's a shocker. Uh, I, I don't think they'll struggle with the Jets, do you? I would be surprised if this game doesn't have their full attention. And uh, your old friend Greg Williams uh, will no longer be commanding the Jets' defense after what happened last week. Oh, my God. You know, and Greg has done that before, and he's had success with it. It's just it's been so magnified, and it was – I don't want to call it a bonehead call. It was just unfortunate what happened. So when you're winless, somebody has to go, and it's easy to pick on Greg Williams. So, yeah, (laughs) no shock after that that he's gone. 
elsewhere around the division, Arizona is now at six and six. What was kind of your parting feeling uh, from that that win that the Rams had in terms of the state of the Cardinals as they go to face the Giants, who have a ton of momentum and uh, a chance to make the playoffs out of the NFC East? Well, Ron Wolfley, uh, an old teammate, he's the uh, color uh, color commentator on radio for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he I was on the radio with him before the game, and he asked me, the last question was, do I think the Cardinals are Super Bowl contenders? Now, what I wanted to say was, you know, H-E double hockey sticks, no. But <laughs> I wanted to respect his show, so what I said was, I'll tell you on Monday after the game. So I didn't even bother to call. So uh, I think the Cardinals have some things to figure out on offense. I think they have some things to figure out with Kyler Murray. Uh, I think they have to get healthy on defense. I think it's going to be a tough stretch for them to finish out the year. But, you know, I, I still think Kyler Murray is a top flight athlete. It's just uh, right now I think that team is a little bit in disarray. So I, I, let's see what they do after this loss uh, to the Rams. But uh, I think it's going to be a, a tough stretch for them to finish out the year. As for the 49ers, Los Angeles missed not one, but I think two opportunities to kind of put a premature ending on their season. Uh, but Buffalo got them playing on that same surface in Arizona, coincidentally. And now the Niners are five and seven. They're going to host a Washington football team, DeMarco, that got one of the most shocking wins of the season, I thought, handing the Pittsburgh Steelers their first defeat. Uh, you know, look, uh, this is why we play, like you said, and it's still the NF NFC least, but, you know, a broken clock is going to be right twice a day. You know what I mean? So at some point, some of these losing teams will up jump and beat one of these good football teams. So let's hope it doesn't happen to the Rams. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, that's no surprise. I mean, they have some weapons. They're, they've just been down for a while and Pittsburgh has been living on the edge and they've been fortunate to stay undefeated. Finally, it bit them in the rear. So it is what it is, but I still think the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, when it's all said and done, are going to be somewhere around the AFC championship, maybe beyond uh, before we crown a champion. Marco, it's, it's been bandied about the kind of the fan base a little bit. I wonder if it's crossed your radar that, you know, there's a sentiment that maybe the best place to be is taking on that five seed on wild card weekend um, rather than winning the division. I don't necessarily feel that way, but do you give that any credence that given the state of the East, whether it's the Giants or, or whomever else might contend here in this final month, that, that that's a favorable matchup to get to the second round? Wow. Um, if I can avoid the Jets defense or the uh, the Giants defense, I would at all costs. But look, the, the number one goal of every football team is to win the division. And then we'll see what happens after that. So if you're crowned NFC West champs, I mean, that's great. Let's put the hats on and then you got to go see who you play. But uh, but if I could pick uh, of all defenses that might be playoff bound, I would like to avoid that defense from New York just from a Rams perspective, because they got it. Uh, where you don't have it, so to speak, especially up front. Those hogs are hard to move. So if you can't run the football, then play action is null and void, and they will make you sing for your supper. So if I can avoid them, I will. As for any higher seed, the Rams are chasing the 10-2 and two Saints. They're at Philadelphia, and the 9-3 and three Packers, they're at Detroit. Hard to see much help in those matchups, but who knows? We would have said the same thing a week ago, speaking of that Giants-Seahawks contest. To wrap up our program, DeMarco, give me one final key to Rams-Patriots Thursday night football at SoFi Stadium. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and, and the nose tackle and, and those guys, Michael Brockers, the defensive line. Look, this is all about you. And Troy Reader, uh, a guy that you thought was a liability, actually was one of your best players on game day this past Sunday. So 
this is going to be a a ground game, a, a a game that's won in the trenches. So everybody that we just talked about is going to be up to the forefront. Aaron Donald as well. So if Cam Newton is going to get off, that means your guys aren't. If Cam Newton has been turned back and it's sitting on the bench for long stretches of time, that means your defense has really ate that offensive line up. This will be a tough matchup. Uh, this will be great. This will be low scoring. This will be for the football fans from the 80s. This is the stuff that we were used to seeing when we were growing up. So this is going to be an old-fashioned black and blue affair. I cannot wait to see it. Let's get to game day. Pre-game coverage starts in the 2 o'clock hour tomorrow on 710 ESPN. Thank you to Marco. Thank you, Mike Pearson, our producer. I'm J.B. Long. Week 14, it's a Super Bowl 53 rematch with the New England Patriots under the lights at SoFi Stadium.